With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the home of the Broncos, Rockies, and Buffs. And this is Primetime Sports with Corey Lopez on KOA News Radio. Here we go, Wednesday. What a gloomy, gloomy day, huh? Yeah, it's okay. It's a good thing the Rockies didn't play here. They like playing at Wrigley. Colorado took the series with Chicago. We'll pay back after Cubbies took uh, the series from the uh, Rockies when they were here. So we're all done with the Chicago Cubs until October, potentially. We'll see how it works out. Cubs got to get going a little bit, too. It's uh, interesting. If the Rockies weren't hitting home runs. I don't know how they'd be doing. Three solo home runs yesterday. It was enough for them to get the win 3-1. to one. And then today, they just uh, opened up a can, essentially. Nolan Arenado, a couple of home runs. Hit five runs batted in. It was something like his 11th multi-home run game. He hit 11-2 the final there at Wrigley. That's the most runs that the Rockies have scored this season. Trevor Story, Chris Iannetta also had home runs. And uh, Tyler Anderson. I think lost in all of this is what Anderson did. He ended up going seven innings, gave up just uh, two runs, and uh, struck out nine. And he's 2-0 and now on the season. So the rotation's starting to get going. Gray looked pretty good yesterday. Actually, Kyle Freeland looked pretty good on Monday. The Rockies just couldn't get any hits. And the Rockies like uh, facing off against you, Darvish, that's for sure. Five earned runs, gave up six total hits, didn't quite get to the fifth inning. He's 0-3 on the season. Two of those losses are to the Rockies this year. Rockies banged him around pretty good for that one win here in Colorado. So... Good stuff as the uh, Rocks end up uh, picking up the win here. We'll open the phone lines up, 303-713-8585. We're on tonight. We're on tomorrow night. And then uh, a little Rockies action for you coming up on Friday as they are in New York. But they've got the day off uh, tomorrow. So we get to talk a little more Rockies, I'm sure. Even though they'll have the day off, we may talk a little bit more. Maybe some moves on the roster Maybe. I, it's not that I've heard anything. I'm just saying. For now, I think the Rockies kind of stand pat, and that seems to be kind of their thing. When things are going well, they don't mess around with anything. But you noticed when all of a sudden there's this power outage. <laughs> Daniel Castro's up now. McMahon is back in AAA. Cargo's off the DL. You know, you You've got all these moves being made. David Dahl is still here, even though Para came off his suspension. I I don't know. I, you got to keep Dahl now. I think he's worked his way in. Now, he struck out a couple more times today. 
I mean, he, the contact isn't there, but that's starting to come around. But he's finding a way to get hit, finding a way to get on. He just is he's pretty good in the outfield. It's hard to take him out of that lineup. You love having a guy like that. The Rockies going to have to make some tough decisions. Talk with uh, General Manager Jeff Breidich about it on a Rockies All Access last Saturday. You know, it's it's okay. It's the situation they put themselves into. They've got some. They've got a pretty deep farm system now. Got some real talented players that are pushing their way up. Noel Cuevas playing well. So you're going to have to make some tough decisions, and that's okay. Good teams have to make those kind of decisions. And the rotation is now starting to kind of come around. You start to see it. They've made the little adjustments they need. They've got their heads in the game. They've, you know, all this stuff. So pretty good stuff. Coming up, uh, we are going to talk to Broncos, too. Um, Emmanuel Sanders and Bradley Roby both spoke today. They're into phase two. Now, if I could really explain what the phases mean, I, I don't have it in front of me. Having covered the Broncos here for a while and, and the shifting of the way off-seasons work, Phase one is essentially if you're working out, hanging out with your teammates, but you can't really do anything. Um, today, teammates, they can get out on the field. I mean, Lipton, obviously, that never really stops. But you can get out on the field and work on some things. Now, I don't know if the coaches could be on the field with them. But you can have contact with the coaches outside of that. That may have been last week. A lot of little rules involved here. Essentially what the rules keep you from doing is just making this a 365 a day uh, kind of, well, let's just go out and just let's install our offense during the offseason. We'll just get these guys out here and run them. The CBA says, no, 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 no. You can't run them in like that. You can't do all of that. So guys can have the playbooks. They can work on it themselves. You know, I don't know. Now, they're not going up against anybody. You cannot, the two offense, defense can't be going up against each other yet. All that starts to happen, I think, as you get to the OTAs. But there's so many little little rules involved with this. The mini camps, you can get a little bit of that, I believe, if it's called a mini camp. we got a rookie mini camp coming up May 11th, I think, right around there. OTAs don't run until May 22nd couple, three days there, and then May 29th, couple, three days there. Then they've got uh, more OTAs June 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, I think, mandatory minicamp coming 12th, 13th, 14th of June. You know, and then whew, everybody scatters from there. And you get about five weeks, and then you start thinking about training camp. So it... It doesn't feel like we're that far away, particularly after coming off the draft last week. Oh, and I haven't had a chance to talk about the draft at all. You guys haven't, unless you turned over to Orange and Blue 760 at any point of the day on Sunday. <laughs> Justin Adams and I popped in, um, did a little show Sunday morning, just kind of recapping the draft, uh, took some text messages, some phone calls, things like that. Overall, I think there, I think most everyone is excited about the draft that the Broncos got some guys that can step in 
do some things right away, particularly Bradley Chubb. But they didn't get a quarterback. That was the one thing. There is a faction out there that thinks Broncos probably should have got themselves a quarterback in there and put four in the room. Now, I don't know if that's they don't think Paxton Lynch is going to be able to deal with it or they forget about Chad Kelly or they think they need somebody to challenge Case Keenum, but I I don't think that's the case. I think the Broncos are okay with their quarterback room. And with only three guys, that means there's plenty of reps to go around for everybody, but Keenum's going to get most of them. That's just the way it is. Manuel Sanders talked a little bit about that. We're going to hear from him coming up here in just a bit. Uh, text line's open, 57739. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get into the NHL playoffs or the NBA playoffs. Now, if you would like to, I can a little bit, but and I'm following them a little bit. But I, well, there aren't any local teams in anymore. And I know that sounds kind of like a high school thought, you know, but I followed the Nuggets along and kept an eye on what was going on there, watched the bottom half of the Western Conference because that's where the Nuggets were shooting for, essentially, after some untimely losses. So it's been interesting to watch kind of that bottom half. Utah and OKC. And uh, uh, I've been paying attention to a little bit of that because I started following them toward the back end of the season. And in the NHL side of things, you know, I'm, I'm watching, seeing what's going on. I, I love watching hockey. I mean, if it's on, and it's playoff hockey, then I'll just kind of keep an eye on it because there's so much at stake in every game, every possession. The same can probably be said about the NBA, but it just feels different in the NHL. And I really enjoyed having the playoffs back here in Denver. That was exciting. Finally get the Habs back in there. It seemed like a very long time. And uh, just that feeling in the building and the way the players talked about it and felt about it and played. It was a fun series. They're playing, they're playing arguably one of the best teams in the NHL and trying to win a series. And you took them to six. So, okay. Moral victory, I guess. The Avs shouldn't have been anywhere near the playoffs after watching what happened last year, but they were. And now the bar is going to get set pretty high and that's okay. I think they can handle it. Avs did make a move. They picked up a uh, backup goalie from Czechoslovakia, uh, or the Czech Republic. I guess it's not Czechoslovakia anymore. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I don't have the story in front of me. I just saw it. But, again, you're looking at Bernier. You're looking at um, Barley, obviously. And you look at Hammond, too. Now you bring another guy in. Um, Maybe you work him down in the minors a little bit little competition, but I don't know much about him. And it's not a huge splash, but it just kind of came on an off day. And all of a sudden I'm like, hey, the abs picked a guy up. So I don't know what that means for everybody else, but it was interesting. Some other things on my radar here before we get to the Broncos, and we're going to hear from the Broncos and some of the stuff that's going on. I did see some other things that were kind of happening here. Uh, They're not going to take kickoffs out of the game. But uh, they are going to change them, it looks like. 
How about this? A standing start. Uh, you can't uh, get a running start on kickoffs. I, it sounds like with the group of coaches, position coaches, medical personnel, owners, uh, there was an active player that was involved in it, a union official, all getting together in New York. They came, they finalized the new kickoff rules that they're going to throw out. The owners will vote on the proposal uh, later on this month at their spring league meeting in uh, Atlanta. But essentially, there are no more running starts. Interesting. It may have the opposite effect of what they want, though, because now it's harder to cover unless you've got a real good team. I mean, I guess I assume if you've got a standing start, you're the one kicking off. You're going to kick it into the end zone or through the end zone if you can. Because you're not going to be able to cover as well. Now, you're not allowed to have two-man wedges now. And there's a... I'm sure special teams coaches everywhere are sitting down and figuring out the odds on all of this. But it could potentially... You may feel like you could send one up there, and if you take away the two-man wedge and you the non-contact and the 15 yards and the hole, you might be able to cover that a little bit better. And it'll turn into a punt is what it'll do. It really is a little bit more like a punt anyway with the standing start. So maybe you're going to force more returns here. That's that's not exactly the, the desired effect of, <laughs> of, you know. I mean, I think if you want to take out a lot of the returns, you give the ball to the 15-yard line. You know, not the 25. You give it you know, you kick it through the end zone, the team has to have it at the 15 or the 10. And that just about eliminates it all. You just, your kicker just gets up there and booms it. So interesting. I, I don't know how I feel about it. I think special teams is a huge part of the game. I really do. But it's, that's a pretty big change for kickoffs. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, when we were learning how to do kickoffs, man, that was a big thing. You got the run. You just didn't want to run ahead of the kicker. It was all about the timing. You turn, you watch the kicker, and as he goes, as soon as he gets by, you turn and you start running as fast as you possibly can. And you're going down there and you're creaming the guy. That's it's a different thought process now. And I'm not saying it's bad. You're trying to limit some of those injuries. But you've got guys that are going to make the Broncos that their sole purpose on this team is special teams. They're barely going to get any snaps during the season, but they're going to all their all their play is going to be on special teams and kickoffs a big part of it. There's teams that take pride in being fantastic kickoff teams. You remember back in the day when the Colts were really good when Peyton Manning was playing for them and that they'd get ready to kick off and they'd get the little dance music going there at uh, it wasn't Lucas Oil Stadium, it was something before that, the other stadium. I can't even remember what it was now. Um, and they get to rocking, and those guys get together, and they were good, and they took pride in all of that. Going to have to find what a good kickoff team looks like a little differently now. They, they say that it's going to take some of the big fellas out of it, that you're going to need to be a little more agile, a little more speed, but be able to move around in some of these tight spaces and make some moves in order to get there to tackle. And we'll see.
Maybe for the kickoff team. Standing start, though. You can't have any wedges. We'll see. I think you, you know, you got to change the game a little bit. Guys were getting hurt, but I don't know what the injury front looked like on kickoffs as opposed to everything else. But that's those guys' livelihood, too. So I guess you find a different way to do it. I don't want them to take it out completely, though. I guess the new league, and I lose track of all the different leagues that are coming out. XFL's in two years. Next year, there's going to be a American Football, American Association of Football. I don't know what it is. Somebody jumped ahead of them. But they're taking kickoffs out of the game. So I don't I don't want to do that. I just think there's too many guys that that's, that's what they do. That's... That's what they do. Oh, thank you. Got to call. See, I got to call her help me out. I swear, it's probably Stout. <laughs> Mark Stout, big fan. And I'm a big fan. I, I listen to Stout when I'm coming in whenever I can. So believe me, Mark's usually all over. It's usually the baseball stuff. He actually sent me something interesting we're going to get into tomorrow night. A little bit about the strikeouts and the hits and everything that's going on. But I, I was taking a look at some of this stuff. Run differential and where the Rockies are at, and how they finished out April. We're going to talk a little bit more about that tomorrow. I thought that was interesting. So, uh, But uh, the caller let, let me know. I couldn't remember what the other state, RCA, the RCA uh, stadium. Sounds right, I think. RCA. Although, I'm thinking of the RCA Dome, which was St. Louis. Anyway. But it may have just had a bit uh, different name to it. For God's sakes, I was in Indianapolis at one point, just for a short time, and I never actually went into the dome. I was actually doing arena football, but that may be right, though. Yes, I believe it was called Stadium. Yeah, RCA Stadium. Yep. Mike Wolf says, "Oh, RCA Dome." Okay, all right. Well, then now I've screwed up the name of one in St. Louis, but that's okay. Um, now it's Lucas Oilfield. So I thought that was uh, interesting. Kind of take a look at that. Baseball. We'll recap the Rockies here a little bit. We're going to hear from Nolan Arenado. Had another big day. Guys are hitting long bombs. You can't live off of that though. But so far it's working out okay. And the Rockies didn't, the offense, not that great. Not that great going through April, and what did they do? They ended up being right around 500. Now, they're trying to catch Arizona, and Arizona just kind of keeps winning. And that's a scary thought. I did sneak a peek at what the standings are. You know, the Rockies, you know, back-to-back wins against the Cubs here. Well, Arizona won back-to-back as well. So, you know, it is what it is. They're not making up any ground in Arizona. They're five and a half games back, if you're wondering. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. But they have jumped back ahead of the Giants. The Giants at one point had gotten ahead of the Rockies, I believe, and that was a little freaky. 
The average going into today, the Rockies were hitting 221. Yeesh. 221. Their opponents are hitting 240 against them. So by all rights, the Rockies should be below 500. Just looking at that. There's a lot of other things that go into play when it comes to baseball, but <laughs> run differential, the Rockies are a minus a negative when it comes to that. In fact, I can look that up here. Geez, like 23 runs going into today's game. Now, that changed a little bit. <laughs> He has 14 now because the Rockies beat the Cubs 11-2. to By the way, most runs scored by the Rockies this season. Rockies have also struck out 284 times. Their opponents have struck out 265 times. The Rockies are striking out a lot. Yet, there they are. Two games above 500. We'll take a break here. We'll come back. Uh, we are going to hear from Nolan Arenado. Then we're going to hear from the guys that got up on the podium today for the Broncos. Interesting things to be said from Emmanuel Sanders and Bradley Roby. These guys, until we get into next season, these guys are going to hear about Aqib Tlaib and the no-fly zone or whether it should be the no-fly zone. And they're getting a little tired of it already. You know, Chris Harris Jr. spoke last week. Bradley Roby got all the questions. Hear what they have to say. When we return, take your phone calls too at 303-713-8585. It's Primetime Sports here on KOA News Radio, 8.50 a.m. and 94.1 FM. Primetime Sports here as we continue on a Wednesday. We're going to go back-to-back tonight and tomorrow. Then Rockies baseball for you coming up on Friday for you. And that's when they head to uh, New York City to take on the uh, Mets play at City Field. Uh, 4.30 pregame here on KOA News Radio. First pitch will be at 5.10. I want to remind you also, uh, 3 o'clock Saturday, Rockies All-Access, two hours before the first pitch. That'll be ahead of Game 2 of the Rockies and the Mets as they are on the road. Uh, after they finish up with the Mets on Sunday, the Rocks get a day off on Monday. So I'll be back with you then. And then... Uh, Home for two against the uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And then uh, Milwaukee for a four-game set. And then they head off to San Diego. So a quick six-game uh, homestand starting next Tuesday. And see if the Broncos, or the Broncos, the uh, Rockies can uh, make some hay, potentially. We'll talk about their game here today uh, in a moment. So uh, Broncos as well. Thoughts on the Broncos? The story today with the two guys talking, I kind of overshadowed it a little bit, but they're not going to pick up Shane Ray's fifth-year option. This is his fourth year coming up. you got to declare for it. And then if you cut him, uh, you'd take a hit on the cap. So they're not going to do it. And if he performs well, he's going to cost you a lot of money if you want to try to keep him back. Bradley Chubb probably had a little something to do with the Broncos not picking up the fifth-year option. But also him being hurt probably had a little bit to do with it. So does Shaq Barrett, who's played very well. So we'll see how that goes. You get some thoughts on that, you can call. Let's talk about the Rockies. They uh, take the series with the Cubs, and they do it by crushing the ball. Four home runs, two of them by Nolan Arenado. Trevor Story and Chris Iannetta added home runs, and Tyler 
Anderson gets his second win of the season. He's now 2-0. and Remember, he started the season not getting any decisions out of it. Seven innings of work. And, uh, man, he just looks better. Um, struck out nine. Gave up just two runs over those seven innings. And Nolan Arenado talking about he's hitting the ball, he's finding it, and he's driving it. I mean, obviously we have a lot of power up in you know, one through nine, really. Um, we have good, good guys that can drive the ball out of the ballpark, and I think that's what we've always had here. Um, obviously, you know, it's good to hit the ball out of the ballpark, but at the same time, we, we still got to have those at-bats like we did today. By the way, 27 home runs on the road for the Rockies this year. That's the most out of any team in Major League Baseball. So, Coors Field effect, whatever. <laughs> this ain't happening at Coors. These guys are crushing it. They're, they've got more home runs on the road than they do at home right now. I think they played a little more on the road, but man, it is all or nothing though, too. We talked about it a little bit before we popped into the news. Um, they had played more on the road, 19 on the road. They played 12 games at home. So 27 home runs. Nolan uh, talking about uh, hitting. On the road, you know, I think it shows that we could drive the ball anywhere. You know, um, obviously, in the years past, it feels like you know, as a team, we've always been good at home, and then when we go on the road, we have trouble. Um, I think we're showing that we could play on the road, but at the same time, we need to go home and take care of business, and we haven't done that this year. They got a six-game series coming up after they finish off in New York City, so we'll see. Haven't really had a real long extended period at home to this point. Two games above 500, though, that's not bad. Tyler Anderson talked uh, about what was working for him. I felt like I, I did okay with my with all three pitches, honestly. Fastball, cutter, and changeup. We mixed some curveballs in there. Uh, just in general, there's a lot of strikes um, to get ahead in the count, and, and you got to get two strikes to get strikeouts in general. So um, I think that, that that came into play. So the Rockies get the win today, 11-2. to two. Most runs they've scored all season long. You're a few days removed now after what happened in Miami where the power outage kind of came. I tend to agree with people who it just makes common sense. It takes a little bit for the Rockies to adjust when they get on the road. And then it takes them a little bit to adjust when they get back home. Now, I think it's true. Anytime you go and you, if you're on the road, you go particular series. So you're going from Miami sea level to Chicago, pretty close, different environment though. Again, not going to be as hot, whatever it may be. There's always going to be adjustments when you go different places on the road. It's not just leaving Coors Field. But you notice that I think about it more this season because I kind of noticed it in the fact that they struggled on their first home stand this season after coming back, being very successful on the road, even though they kind of got – they didn't win the series against Arizona, but then they got to go to San Diego. They got back to Coors Field. It was colder. It was, you know, as things heat up, I think the hitting will heat up a little bit for the Rockies. and That'll be a good thing. So for the Rocks, they're off tomorrow. Friday, Armand Marquez scheduled to go for the Rockies. Then it'll be Chad Bettis on Saturday. Kyle Freeland on Sunday for the three-game set there against New York. So keeping themselves uh, right around Arizona. I mean, as best you can. In Arizona's a historic start to their season, that's for sure.
But there they are. Oh, yeah, speaking of Arizona, I did want to throw this out here before we get to the Broncos. We'll, we'll hear from these guys here in a minute. There's a deal in place. Looks like the Diamondbacks are going to be looking for a new place to play. According to the Arizona Republic, Maricopa County there and the team reached a preliminary agreement to let uh, the Diamondbacks start looking for a new ballpark to play in. They have to drop the lawsuit against the county. Under the deal, the team takes control of the maintenance and booking events at Chase Field while the county is released from any obligation to pay for the $187 million in repairs. County gets to keep the ownership of the land. That'll be redeveloped when the Diamondbacks move. The team then will be allowed to leave Chase Field after the 2022 season, so it's a ways away. That's five years earlier, though, than the team's current contract holds out. Now, Chase Field was an interesting place. I could spend a little time down there during the playoffs last year. Um, it's indoor baseball. I mean, I know they can open the roof and they can open the panels. It's still, it's boxy. Um, I don't know where they'll move it. I don't know where they'll play it. Um, there's places that they can certainly put it. It's cool that it's downtown, but it doesn't draw a lot of people. So maybe they put it in a suburb. Maybe they move it to Scottsdale. Um, out by Salt River Fields, a talking stick. You know, all of these really nice spring training facilities are being built, but you can't play at a spring training facility during the regular season. It's too hot down there. You, it's going to have to be indoors. That's just the way that it is. I don't even think you could do something like they do in Seattle where they roll the roof that looks like a giant Quonset hut on the train tracks and roll it over the top of the stadium that way because it's still hot. It's I don't you still got to pump some air conditioning in there. You there's no way you could play in those kind of conditions. Even playing in the middle of the night. I mean, you now unless you're out in the middle of the desert. That's the one thing I noticed when I was there in Arizona that I didn't really think about. I, I mean, I've been, I've been down to Phoenix before. The CU basketball team plays down there from time to time. But it's, you know, we're down there January, you know, February. I, being there early part of October, it was hot. And that's, that's okay. I don't mind hot. But it never cooled down when you're in the city because of all the concrete and the blacktop and everything else that's out there. It does not cool down at night. I was shocked we walked out of there. I didn't really notice it the first night because we weren't there that late, but we were there late till the end of the game. And we were staying in a hotel downtown, so we just we just walked. We might have Ubered back, but then we ended up walking downtown anyway to get something to eat. But it was really hot, and I thought, it's like midnight, 1 o'clock. We're out walking around, and it's 95, almost 100 degrees. Tough to sell baseball down there, man, in the middle of the summer. It really is. Nobody wants to leave that air conditioning. But they're looking at at making a move here and going and finding another place to build a stadium. You're not going to put it downtown. I don't know where you're going to put it. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Everybody wants to put it downtown. The problem is they're not getting anybody to come and see it. So maybe you, I don't know, maybe you do. Maybe you stick it kind of like what Atlanta does. They put it out in a suburb somewhere. 
Although Maricopa County would probably like them to stay in Maricopa County. I don't think you want to move it too far. I don't know how big the counties are down there, but assume you probably want to kind of keep it around there. So I thought that was interesting uh, coming down the uh, coming down the pike there. Another story I'm going to save for tomorrow, uh, talking about pitchers and what they use to help spin the ball a little bit. <laughs> I'll get to that tomorrow. I read it on, I saw it, an article today that I read and then I noticed here we had it 24-7 and picked it up from somebody. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. Let's get, let's get to uh, Broncos. And I wanted you to hear from these guys. Let's talk Emmanuel Sanders first of all. Um, Emmanuel Sanders... I wasn't sure if he was going to be back with the team. I didn't think he was going to come back with the team. I really didn't. Um, I thought the Broncos would let him go. They wouldn't spend that kind of money, that it was more of a rebuild. But they decided to keep their top two receivers. And I'm not saying it's a bad move. I mean, I, I, I like having Emmanuel. I really do. I like having DT and Emmanuel both out there. But he was asked point blank right off the bat when he stepped to the podium today, asked whether he thought that he would actually be with the team by this time, you know, this year. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, communicating with you, you know. Obviously, yeah. I thought I thought it wasn't. I thought I was gonna be gone. Um, um, but at the end of the day, I'm happy to be back. Um, I'm ready. I'm ready to work. We've been working. Um, I'm excited about this year. Um, you know, new quarterback. Uh, we got a system, and now we can work the entire off season on. And uh, you know, things are looking good. It's uh, interesting. By the way, he was talking. Little directly there to Mike Kliss. Um, apparently, he reads Mike's stuff and listens to Mike a lot on Night News. <laughs> Our Broncos insider really is inside. Um, and then he was asked about being too old. Mike Kliss had pointed that out in an article earlier. I mean, speaking to y'all, all these articles. I mean, he wrote an article talking. Oh yeah, man, he was thirty years old. He didn't have it anymore. I was getting ready to tweet, or I was getting ready to tweet like, "Come on." <laughs> Yeah, I'm 31, man. I, I see the problem is is what's going on right now is the moment that you get over 30 in the NFL, they automatically say, "Oh, he's getting up in age." But what they fail to realize is when I first came into the NFL, we had two days. We had all these processes. You was big hits was going down. Guys were guys were going through two days holding nine yards. Now at 30, 30 is like the new 27. You know what I mean? Like. I'm telling you, you add a couple, three years, those two days were brutal, man. And those hits back in the day, man, I still feel like I still got juice like for the next five years. So I don't know what this guy is talking about. <laughs> he's got a point, though. It has changed since he's gotten into the league. Practices are not as hard. The hardest part of the whole thing is the games. That's where you can get injured. That's where the banging goes. You don't do that in practices. And he was also asked, because a fellow alum of SMU is joining the Broncos in Cortland Sutton. The Broncos picked up in the draft this year. And so Emmanuel was asked if he had any fear of teaching rookies everything he knows about being a receiver. Because someday these guys are going to come get your job. I mean, that's going to happen anyways. Because, you know, once you get up in this league, you know, and you start making too much money. They say, you, you hey, I, look, I understand the business of it, you know. And my, and my, my deal is, is this. I still want to see everybody, family making a ton of money you know I I can't avoid that all I can do is go out and make plays every single day and show if, if I become expendable here or just show some other team that hey look 
I still got it. I still got the juice. And maybe they want to pay me. But that would be selfish of me to say I'm not going to teach you everything that I know because you're going to outbeat me. At the end of the day, like, if he's going to do it, he's going to do it. I can't avoid that. All I got to do is just go out, work my butt off, and continuously be me. So there you go. Understands many sides of what football is all about. He also talked about how excited he is to not be talking about a quarterback competition. He's a leader. Um, he's a leader. Um, I mean, every single pass that he's thrown so far, I wouldn't say every single, but a majority of the passes, 95%, 98% of the balls have, have been there. Um, you know, he, he's confident in himself. Um, he, 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 you know, he's one of those guys that when he steps into the lead, in, into the huddle or, uh, yeah, off in the huddle, I mean, he, he's that leader. You know, he, you don't have to second guess what his thought process is. His thought process is we're going to complete this ball. We're going to keep this ball moving. So, um, you know, I'm liking what I'm seeing from him so far. I appreciate it for sure. Uh, I think this is the first time in, what, two or three years that I'm not standing up here and we're talking about a quarterback debate. You know, I remember when I got out, I got out here, uh, I went off in the team store and I saw Case Keenum jersey. I was like, thank God we don't have to deal with that again. Case is our guy and we can go from there and we can work our butts off and just try to gain chemistry and try to put up points. Likes being able to work out with a guy that's number one. Yeah, they do have a different feel. I tell you what, we're working our butts off. Um, one thing my mentality is, is I feel like – um, I want to be the most conditioned team um, in the NFL next year. And I feel like if we're the most conditioned team, then in the fourth quarter it's going to pay off to be able to take advantage of this altitude. So I can see it in guys that are just trying to get in shape and trying to, you know, get their conditioning up. And, um, you know, when guys are messing up, guys are going back and getting seconds. And um, it, it has that, that 2014 feel where guys are flying all over the field and they want to be good and we want to be successful. Ooh, doesn't that give you goosebumps to hear him say something like that, that 2014 feel? Seems like it's a long ways away. We'll see. We're going to hear from Bradley Roby tomorrow. I'm going to play a little bit. He uh, is talking about the no-fly zone. We'll do that coming up tomorrow as we will be back with you then, of course, as uh, Primetime Sports back-to-back nights here. We appreciate you joining us. Thanks for the phone calls. Help me out. I couldn't remember what that stadium was called in Indianapolis. I got it. I got it. Back tomorrow night. We'll check in with one of our uh, guys from uh, CBS4 as well. And uh, we will uh, talk a little more Broncos, too. We invite you to join us then. Thanks to Mike Wolf on the other side of the glass. I'm Corey Lopez. Have yourselves a great Wednesday. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.